I cannot change that I have a learning disability and the difficulties that it presents. I also cannot control what a person will say or how the comments will make me feel. I am determined not to let a disability or another individual's disparaging words stop me from success. I will instead focus on what I can do and move forward. This quote is from our guest, Michelle Steiner. I'm Raleigh. And I'm Danielle. And this is Unstuck, the special ed podcast. Well, hello, Raleigh. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Getting all of that Halloween energy out of our systems. No kidding. I'm excited. All that that residual sugar out of our systems. Our school district smart brightly put a PD day the day after Halloween to give us a little buffer. So that was good. I'm on the bandwagon that either Thanksgiving, either Halloween should be a holiday or the day after. Agreed. Just choose which one. Just pick one. I would say the day after. That's fair. That would be my vote. That's good. Yeah. So, well, I'm super excited. We have uh, stalled a little bit on putting a podcast out, but I think this this guest is worth the wait. Absolutely. I um, learned so much about her when we talked to her, so I'm excited to share this with everyone. Yes. So Michelle Steiner is a disability writer, advocate, and paraeducator. She published articles on the Mighty Nonverbal Learning Project, Dyscalculia Blog, The Reluctant Spoonie, Imagine the World as One Magazine, and Word Gathering. Recently, she began a blog called Michelle's Mission. Her photographs were featured in Word Gathering and Independent and Work Ready. She works as a paraeducator in a school with students with disabilities. Thanks, Raleigh, for that great introduction. Michelle, welcome. We're so excited to have you here to describe your experiences with um, your hidden disability and the work that you do now. Well, thank you so much for having me, Danielle and Raleigh. I appreciate it. <laughs> of course. We have, a, we have a bunch of questions that we'd love to ask you, and I think sure. our listeners would really love to hear from you. So um, to start, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came into your role as a paraeducator? Sure. Well, my name is Michelle Steiner. I live in Pennsylvania with my husband, Ron, and our two cats, Jack and Sparrow. And I work in a school as a, uh, as a paraeducator where I work with students with and without disabilities. And I'm also a disability writer. I've had articles published on The Mighty and some other sources. And I started my own blog called Michelle's Mission, where I blog about life with a learning disability. And I also uh, put my photography on there and I have a store and a forum where people uh, with disabilities uh, can connect. And a lot of the inspiration that I've done with helping students and working with uh, doing writing and speaking has come from my experience with having a learning disability. I was diagnosed with having a learning disability when I was in kindergarten. My teacher started to notice that I was struggling academically and even socially at that age. I would struggle with tying my shoes, anything with numbers. They knew pretty early on I wasn't going to be a mathematician. <laughs> uh, yeah. Visual perception. And I was my parents' first child, so they didn't really know what to exactly look for with learning disabilities. Um, so my teacher recommended that I get it evaluated for that. And sure enough, uh, they found out I had I have a learning disability. Oh. And yeah. And I had to repeat kindergarten the following year, and I began to receive specialty instruction. Uh, I went to another school in our district, 
And uh, it was frustrating in the beginning, especially academically. I just wanted to learn like my peers and be successful. And I just, it just was really hard for me. But event, my parents didn't give up on me. And thankfully, some of the interventions started working. I could be uh, in regular ed science and social studies and English. And eventually I was in all regular ed classes, except for math. That, that was never a successful story. Uh, socially, it was difficult, though. Uh, I went to a very small school district that uh, you I was not able to blend in. And everybody knew that I had a disability and people didn't really value diversity. And when I was younger, it was more like, oh, we don't want to play with you on the playground or you're, you're not invited to my birthday party. But when I got older, all the peer groups became more defined and it was really hard for me to fit in. And luckily, I found some great friends uh, outside of uh, that that I still hang out with today in our writing group, which I, I love 20 some years later. Okay. And right whenever I was ready to graduate, uh, it, we were wondering, well, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? And that's when some of the other problems came up. I knew that I wanted to go to college, but not everybody uh, thought that I could do it. I had a learning support teacher who thought I should go to a vocational school and nothing there interested me, but I decided I was going to go ahead to college. I had some support with the uh, Office for Vocational uh, Rehabilitation, and I had a student teacher that told me I could do it, and sometimes that's the voice that I heard when I got to school, and it was really hard. And before I could go be admitted uh, into or receive funds from OVR, I had to be tested for having a learning disability again uh, wow. to get the account. Yeah. And I never have been a great test taker. And the psychiatrist put on my sheet that uh, most likely won't go beyond community college. Wow. Yeah. And then I get to community college and a lot of, uh, there was just a huge stigma around somebody with disabilities. I can remember I had a professor that told me I would have limited job choices. And I had uh, other um, students that I went to school with who thought that, disability accommodations were cheating and you were getting the answers and I didn't want to be uh, put in that little box. So I didn't use them and my grades dropped. And finally, I had a professor that said, why don't we at least get you extended test time? And I was able to pass her class. I didn't do well. And I was able to pass the rest of my classes. And I graduated with an associate's degree in early childhood education. And I was able to move out on my own. That was big because I can't drive. And I was also uh, working in some childcare centers and some other places uh, doing temp jobs. And I was happy, but I always wanted more for myself. And for, due to financial reasons, I had to move back in with my mom and dad. And my job was downsizing. And I thought, this is the time to just give university a try. And I found a program that had the least amount of math and science possible. And <laughs> I was interested in it. <laughs> and, and it had disability accommodations on campus. And I thought, okay, this is what I should be doing. And I remember I used the accommodations that they offered. I used an extended um, test time. I had a note taker. I had tutoring. And most importantly, I advocated for myself. I would go up to my professor if they were new and say, my name's Michelle, and this is I have a learning disability and these are the accommodations that I'll need. And it was a much better experience. My grades improved 
a lot. I made Dean's List one semester. I still had people that didn't support that, but I've learned to kind of shut that out of my head and just go forward with what I needed to do. And I was able to graduate with a bachelor's degree despite being told that's I couldn't do it. Wow. And after college, it took a while to find the, the right job for me. And I found that I do like working with uh, students that uh, have disabilities. It's that chance to teach them how to advocate and encourage them. And I also love uh, doing disability writing. Writing has always been really healing for me. And I had a friend in my writing group that told me years ago, she goes, you really should write about having a learning disability. And I said, oh, that that's way too personal. I don't want to go there and wrote some bad poetry and some other things that <laughs> I want to read today. <laughs> but when I finally got that first article published on my struggle with limited hand dexterity, uh, and opening up locks. And that was my first one I got published on The Mighty. It was one of the most healing things that I've ever done. And it encouraged me to write more articles and to eventually start my own blog. Wow. Michelle, your story is so inspiring. I yeah. feel like it is the tale of so many of our students. And what's fantastic about it is you had you know, despite some of the naysayers who didn't expect a lot from you, you had some people in your corner. And Danielle and I have talked a lot about having mm -hmm. that one identified person, even if it's one person in a school that really believes in a kid, has that connection. Um, it's fantastic that you had people that did, you know, show you that there was something for you to be continuing to achieve and that you had that drive. I'm curious how much those experiences have influenced your role as a paraeducator currently. A lot of the experiences, I worked with sixth graders this year, and sometimes when I'm with them, it's almost like a, a hearing and recording myself at that mm -hmm. age. I hate my learning disability. I hate my IEP. And that gives me the chance to be that voice that goes in and says, well, no, it's not a bad thing to have a learning disability. And you're not stupid. Your brain is just wired differently. And having that an IEP is what helps you to be able to be successful in the classroom. So sometimes that's my opportunity to be able to go in and encourage somebody. I And I agree with Raleigh. Your story is so inspirational. And I see kids all the time struggling with exactly what you're saying there, especially at the middle school level. There's mm -hmm. a stigma around them going to like a smaller math class. There's, you know, it's just such a it's such a challenge at that age when you're going through your own changes and now you have to even mm -hmm. look, you know, in their mind, even if no one notices <laughs> more <laughs> stigmatized and, and separated from the larger community. So um, it really is um, reassuring, I think, for kids to hear your story and how successful you are and you're doing all of your favorite things, which is so cool. Um, and so uh, speaking of your favorite things, um, can you tell us about some of your traveling? Yes, that is one of my, my husband and I love to travel. That is one of our favorite things. We love to go to botanical gardens. We love to go to um, museums and to do a lot of that. And this summer, I had the opportunity to travel by myself for the first time. I was invited to go to a Down syndrome conference in July and this was my first flight on an airplane by myself. And the first time that I uh, had to navigate an, air, uh, an airplane in an airport all by myself as well. And I was able to use some resources. I used a flight ambassador on the way to Florida. And I also used the Hidden Sunflower program with the lanyard on. Uh, 
and that was that was really helpful to be able to to do that. And I was you know, definitely I realized how much my husband and my family, whenever I and friends, whenever I travel, has helped me. But being able to have that experience where I had to advocate for myself and I had to go in and do a lot for myself was something that really uh, changed a lot of my life. Can you tell us a little bit more about the um, Hidden Sunflower program? I think our listeners would be really interested in that. Sure, I'd be glad to. The Hidden Sunflower is a lanyard that you can wear if you're in an airport or um, a subway station or a bus station. And it, it symbolizes that that person has a hidden disability, one that you can't see, and they might just need a little bit of extra help. Uh, some compassion, some extra time. And that's just because some people can't see that I have a learning disability. So they may not understand if they I have limited directional concepts. If somebody says, oh, go, um, go this direction or it's over here, I might have trouble understanding that, even with signs around. So sometimes that was uh, definitely something that was a concern. Uh, it also was something with uh, doing pre-boarding, just so I had some extra time to be able to get on the plane. There mm -hmm. was a family that actually was going to the same place I was, and she didn't know about it. And her son had Down syndrome and she got on the plane with everybody else and nobody, there wasn't enough room for them to sit together. And oh. I wish I would have known because I would have given up my seat because I didn't, I don't have to have a certain seat, but we were able to connect. I was able to connect with her and she was in pre-boarding on the way home with me. And she knew about a lot of those things. And I think that's, that that's helpful to get the word out. Oh yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Kind of along those lines, what do you wish that more educators and families understood about hidden disabilities? I think uh, that I wish more educators and people, uh, the work with those that have hidden disabilities is that, those just the people that have them are really trying. And just because you can't see the disability doesn't mean that it's not there. And it's not a lack of motivation. It's that the person has a disability and that's giving them a lot of difficulty. Can you talk along those lines about the importance of advocacy and finding connections um, for people with disabilities? You gave a really good example with the uh, kid with Down syndrome. Talk a little bit about more about that. I think that uh, that is definitely important to have those connections because sometimes it's it can be really hard when you're trying to explain to another person or a family member that they love you, but they don't have a disability or they don't share a similar kind that you have. And they can give you advice, they can give you support, but they don't know what you're going through. But if I go to sometimes some apps, uh, support groups, or I meet with people that might have a math learning disability or might have some other disabilities, we're able to connect and be able to understand the perspective of what life is like for us living in a world that's not made for us. So I think sometimes that's important. And I also think just having the advocacy is really important too, because people may not be able to see it. And even if they do, sometimes people don't know how to react or they don't know how to give the, the, the right amount of support. Mm -hmm. Talk about some of your experiences with stigma, because I think that sort of 
definitely plays into the um, aspect of hidden disabilities and sort of that, that that stigma that may be impacting students and how you kind of deal with that or have dealt with that. Sure. A lot of times stigma I deal with, if when I tell people I have a learning disability, they'll say, well, you don't look like you're disabled. Oh. And they think, oh, you, you they're looking for a cane or a wheelchair. Mm -hmm. And I don't need those uh, types of supports. And some people just think there's not a disability. And other people might often think too, oh, well, why can't you get math? Isn't everybody bad at math? And while there, yes, there are some people who struggle with math and don't have a disability, but they can work really hard and maybe get a C in the class or they can work hard to figure out a problem. But for me, it's it's really a, a lot more difficult for that. And then other people that have known me for a lot of years uh, might say, well, you must be cured or you must have overcame having a disability because you have a bachelor's degree and or if I get a math problem right. And other people uh, just sometimes don't understand that. Uh, I always have to tell the kids, I cannot help you with math. I can help you with reading. I can help you with English or I can sit there and support you while you're doing your math, but I cannot do much to help out with that. And sometimes I get humorous responses. I had a little girl, uh, I was working in a first grade room and I could not get math and or I got the problem wrong. She she couldn't believe it. And I said, oh, Mrs. Steiner's just not good at math. And she said, there's grown up school for that. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes it really validates what some of what our students go through. I can remember I had a, a student one year that uh, wanted me to help with math and I couldn't. And another, someone asked, well, why can't you? And I said, oh, I'm just not that good with numbers. And I had a little girl that said, I'm not good with numbers either. Mm. And that just validated that everybody has their strengths. Everybody has things that they're not good at. And we're just here to try to help each other out. And along those lines, you talked a little bit about just saying, you know, Mrs. Steiner's not really good at math. Have you ever, with maybe some of your older kids, talked about your life experiences and how, um, if yes, how has that influenced them? Y yes, definitely. A lot of times I've talked to some students that will ask me why I can't do this or might have said that they were stupid because they have a, a learning disability. And I have a chance to tell them, well, I have a disability and it is really hard for me with math, but... Uh, there's definitely ways that you can still be successful with that. But what I think one of the most impactful uh, stories that I've had is uh, I was in a class and they were doing uh, a line graph, which I <laughs> was obviously can't really help a lot of them with. And I can just remember thinking, okay, why am I even here? Why am I doing this? This, you know, I'm obviously can't. And somebody said, this boy was crying. And I turned over and there was a student that was frustrated with doing the graph. And I was able to get on my level with him. And I said um, that I know how hard it is with math because I have a disability myself. And I maybe I won't be able to help you, but when you don't know how to do it, please let me know and we'll get you the resources to, to be able to support you with that. And I think he cried one other time when I was working with him. And I said, now, do I yell at you whenever you can't do something? And he said, no. And uh, now he uh, he's not crying. He's raising his hand. He's asking questions. And the student was in another class with me where they were doing another math activity. <laughs> Sometimes they don't quite get the memo that I can't do math. <laughs> and that student knew what he goes, 
wait, what does she need help with? And he's trying to help me. (laughs) It's a learning strategy though, having them help you. Yeah. (laughs) That's true. That's a great story. I mean, there, there's so many, it's, it's sometimes I think too, it's so validating for students, for us to admit that we aren't great at everything all the time. Mm -hmm. It just really gives you that, that kind of connection. And so that's fantastic that you can do that and feel comfortable being so honest and upfront and just saying, yeah, this is hard for me. Um, We would love for you to talk more about your blog, Michelle's Mission. Sure. Uh, The goal for Michelle's mission is to encourage, empower, and educate people with and without learning disabilities. I like to blog about life with a learning disability, and I do a lot with metaphors. So I might do a nature metaphor about a flower blooming and talk about life with a learning disability with how I started to bloom with that. And I also like to combine my photography. I'm not able to drive, but when I'm on my walks, I get the chance to take pictures of flowers and see other details that people may miss whenever I'm in the car in the passenger seat. And I get that chance to go back and take the pictures. And I've had people that have said, wow, you bring out details in a flower that I I miss. And I get that chance to share it with other people. I've had things published in magazines and I have a little store on my blog where I can uh, feature my artwork as well. And I started a disability forum as well, where people can connect that, that have disabilities. Where can people find your blog and any other information online? Sure. You can find me at michellesmission.net. Perfect. Awesome. And I've seen some of your photography on your blog and it's wonderful. I highly recommend people check it out. Thank um, you so much. <laughs> It really, I mean, it is that it's beautiful as someone who's not great at photography yet. Um, I like to take a lot of pictures and it's just nice and inspiring to see yours. So, um, I have one last question for you. You taught, you have it on your blog, michellesmission.net, um, that you have the travel tips. Can you give us three travel tips, um, for people with a hidden disability when they travel? The first thing I tell people with disabilities is to research, number one, see what uh, services they offer. A lot of airports have the Hidden Sunflower Program, but some don't, uh, and some have um, flight ambassadors. So I think that's important. And sometimes airlines do offer a lot of things for for people with disabilities as well. Uh, The second thing I always recommend is that people... Uh, practice before they go somewhere. My husband and I watched a lot of YouTube videos and we saw, okay, how do we go through baggage? How how do we go through TSA? Those are little things that, that really helped me once I got there. And I think the third thing is to not be afraid to, to be able to go out there and travel and, and just be there and, and enjoy that because life is way too short to sit at home um, even when you have a disability. That is a perfect way to sum everything up today. (laughs) Yes, it really is. Michelle, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate your time. We appreciate all of your stories. I think this is going, this is great for us in the education field. It's, it's a refreshing for us Mm -hmm. to, to be able to talk um, to someone who's gone through it and um, just reassure them that their work matters. So thank you. Well, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure speaking with the both of you. You too. All right. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye-bye.